Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story Reading. We're in the middle of a series we're calling The Music That Made Us. And in a moment, we'll be hearing uh, the song, and we'll invite you to join in singing the hymn, Here I Am, Lord. And this song was recommended by a couple of people, um, notably uh, Jean Leatherman, uh, who's here today. And and Jean pointed out in the email that she sent me, and I hope this is okay to share, um, because it's the title of the sermon today. She, she pointed out that the phrase, um, is it I, Lord, can sometimes be translated in hymnals as it is I, Lord. As in someone saying, like, it's me, I'm the one, I'm raising my hand, call on me, I want to be the one. But the actual, like, the right translation of this hymn is the question, is it I, Lord? Are you calling me? Do you want me? There's a question hanging in the balance of will we answer the call that God has for us. And so I want us to hold the complexity of this hymn as we sing it. And if you're like, I don't want to hold complexity this morning, I got enough complexity in my life, then just sing the hymn because it's beautiful. But if you are able to, hold the complexity of saying, here I am, Lord, and is it I, Lord? Maybe we need to sit in both as humans today. So let's sing it with both in mind. I think what's so beautiful about that song is that there's a question of identity in that song. Do you know yourself well enough to answer the call? Do you know who you are well enough to know what God may be calling you to do when it comes down your journey, when it comes down the path for you? And I think that oftentimes when I think of the idea of calling and answering the call of God, I I tend to think of young people. I tend to think of younger kids, you know, and what they're going to be when they grow up or college students as they're getting a degree. But I've, I've had so many interactions over the years with different people at all different ages who are answering the call to help the least of these or to help somebody else or to be neighborly, that it doesn't matter what age we find ourselves or what station in life, whether we're working or retired or what it, what it we have going on, the call is the same. It's there for us to partner with what God is up to in the world and to say, use me, put me to work. I want to help. I want to help make 
this world a more loving, just place where we can see people flourish. And not just those that have historically flourished, but all people flourish. And so we all get to answer this call. We all get to answer this question. But as I said, it, it for me, sometimes it, I gravitate towards young people. And this weekend, my family and I were up at um, what we call Ethiopian Family Camp. It's a, a, a camp that's been going on for families that have adopted kids from Ethiopia, and our oldest is adopted from Ethiopia. And so we've been going there for seven years now and, uh, and just enjoying spending time with probably upwards at different seasons, different years. It's been upwards of 30 uh kiddos from Ethiopia that all get together with their families and we spend time together and we play games and throw water balloons at each other and go swimming and eat Ethiopian food on Saturday night, which is the best. Um, So if you've never had Ethiopian food, you should do it because it's amazing. Um, and it's so fun to be up there. And, and, and it's not only fun just because it's a good time and everyone likes going to camp and that kind of thing, but the beauty of it is that what I've observed over the years is watching these young people who have complicated stories come together and suddenly things get really uncomplicated. And what I mean by that is these are kids being raised in America, but they're Ethiopian. So they have an Ethiopian cultural heritage that they are trying to identify with. They're also black in America, and that's how some of the world sees them when they first meet them. And that's complicated in and of itself. And then they're being raised by white people, which is now a mixed race, mixed culture, mixed ethnicity family, which is its own complication. And And you combine that with adoption, which has its own identity pieces to it. So you get these kids that have these really complicated identities, oftentimes three or four different forms of identity all converging in this one little eight-year-old body, and they're trying to know, who am I and, and how do I fit in this world? You know, am I Ethiopian? Am I black? Am I, how do I fit into this other culture that I'm being raised? There's so much complication, except when they go to camp, because then every other kid looks, looks like them and has the same story as them. They're, they're all understanding that, oh yeah, we have white parents, we're Ethiopian and we're black and we're going to play gaga ball and we're going to throw water balloons at each other. And it gets really uncomplicated really fast. And there's this sense of identity that they have with each other that over the course of just a couple of days a year, you just watch these kids kind of melt into each other in relationship. And then year after year after year, the relationships, even though some of them, they only see each other at camp, it just deepens in such a beautiful way because they feel known and they feel seen in a way that in the rest of their lives, they don't always get seen that way. They don't always experience the world that way or in that type of community. And it's a really beautiful thing to watch because I think in order for us to answer God's call, we have to know who we are. If we don't know who we are, if we don't know what God has given us strength to do or the gifts that we've been given, if we don't know our place, if we don't have a firm sense of belonging and home, it's really hard to know what we should be launched into or where we should go or what we should do. If we don't have a sense of identity of how I'm wired to help, then it's really hard to know what next step to take. Figuring out who we are and how we're wired is so integral to figuring out how to answer God's call in our life. 
The other thing I observed this weekend, not only did I observe these beautiful Ethiopian kids all spending time together and having the time of their life, um, I also observed driving home this morning at 5.30 in the morning from Painesville. I was driving through St. Michael, and there were these new um, neighborhoods going up, these new suburbs, these new subdivisions. And I was noticing, like we do in most suburbs, that all the houses were exactly the same. Like, like exactly the same. And, and, and they were really uninteresting houses. And that's not to be like a knock on that builder. I mean, I'm sure they did a wonderful job designing the inside of the house, but the outside they didn't do it, put a lot of effort in. It was a box and there was people living in it, um, which is kind of like my house. I live in the suburbs. I live in New Brighton. So like, I get it. I get that, you know, housing is housing and I'm not critiquing the suburbs. I'm not critiquing St. Michael or New Brighton um, or where you live. Um, but there's a sense of, of things being the same and the word that came to mind as I was driving was conformity. The idea that what are we conforming to? And I get that we do that with a lot of things. We conform to, uh, you know, stoplights. We all should stop at a stoplight or a stop sign, right? We, we have to conform in order to function as a civilized society. That makes sense. But also, when we've done so much conforming, do we lose the uniqueness of who we are? Do we lose the creativity of who we are? If the church is the place that calls us to constant conforming, does the uniqueness of you and what God's calling you to do ever come out? Does it ever get actuated? Does it ever get pulled out of you? Do you ever get empowered to live into who you're called to be if we spend so much time asking you to conform to be just like us? One of the scariest things about the church is that oftentimes that's exactly what it does, is it says, come, be just like us. And if you deviate from us, then you're one of them, and then you're in real trouble. And that's when it, that's when it gets very in and out, us and them. It gets very judgmental. And I found myself in environments, before I became a Methodist, found myself in environments where I was constantly butting heads with conformity, conformity, conformity. And I said, where is the unity in our diversity? Where is the shared expression of unique gifts? How does someone thrive in who they are when it doesn't look at all like what this thing looks like? How can we step into our call if our call looks different from the church that we're in or the neighborhood that we find ourselves in or the family that we grew up in? And so identity uniqueness are two of the key components that we must have in order to step into our call. You know, as I mentioned, Gene pointed out this beautiful question in this hymn is, is it I, Lord? And I was thinking long and hard about, okay, what verse tackles that piece? Because as Dave pointed out, this, this, song, this, this song is based on Isaiah 6, 8, which I'm going to read in a minute. But there's this question inserted into the song that doesn't find itself in Isaiah 6.8. Isaiah doesn't say, is it me? Isaiah just says, I don't think I'm worthy of this. And then the angel comes along, and as we're going to read in a minute, it's going to cleanse him of his sin, and then he's going to be like, okay, here I am. <laughs> and it's going to be this kind of bold move to like be the one to take the, the word of the Lord to the people. And, and yet, where does this question of, is it I, Lord, come in? And the, the scripture that came to mind actually comes from Mark chapter 10, 46 through 52, and I'm going to read it for you here. And it's a story about Jesus um, on his way uh, to Jericho. So Jesus came to Jericho. As he and his disciples in a large crowd were leaving Jericho, 
Uh, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, and he cried out even more loudly. I love that. I love that, like, this dude's like, no, nah, no, nah, this crowd ain't shutting me up. He cries out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Let me just pause right there. A blind man who's been sitting at the corner of the gate to Jericho, probably for his entire life, or for as long as he's been blind and he's been begging his whole life, he hears that Jesus of Nazareth is coming. The legend of Jesus has gone before him. This guy heals the blind, helps the lame to walk. He's got good news for the poor. This guy who talks about love and forgiveness of enemies, this is the, he's, he's here, he's in Jericho. And so the beggar, the blind beggar is just calling out for Jesus. And Jesus is like, okay. I would not expect this question. What do you want me to do for you? It should be obvious to us. It should be obvious. And it, and it is. It is obvious. Because the blind man said to him, my teacher, my rabbi, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed Jesus on the way. Here's what I love about this passage. Jesus doesn't assume what the person wants. It might be obvious on the outside, but that isn't what Jesus is there to do, to force you to something you might not want. If you've spent your whole life blind, suddenly seeing again may be the scariest thing imaginable because your whole world's about to get upended. Now, it might be the thing you've spent your whole life waiting to do, but it also might be the thing that's most frightening to you. And so Jesus is going to allow for this beggar, Bartimaeus, to have the autonomy to decide what type of life he wants to live, what type of experience he wants to have. Jesus isn't going to force it on him. To me, that resonates with the question of, is it I, Lord? Because there's been times where I've sat and heard sermons about helping this group or that group or doing this thing, and I've sat there and been like, I, I know the preacher is telling all of us to do this, but has, I don't think I'm wired like that. I don't, I don't think that's me. And it wasn't, it, it, when it wasn't like a, hey, for those of you wired to do this, like we're going to gather and we're going to talk about it and we're going to go do this thing and we're going to go do that thing. It's always just been, if you're a God-believing Christian, you better do this. And I've been like, oh, I'm a God-believing Christian and I don't want to fail the Lord. And now I'm feeling like, a, is, it, is it I? Like, as opposed to, do you want to participate in this? Do you want this? That's a very different approach. And I appreciate that the psalm, that the writer of this song, of this hymn, recognizes the need for us to have autonomy in our own calling. 
Our calling isn't forced on us. It's something that we're invited into. And sometimes there's this message out there that like, oh, don't miss your calling. Like, don't miss, don't miss it because if, you know, you're 22 years old and you pick the wrong major, like, oh, God won't use you for the rest of your life. You're, you're just done for. Nope. Nope. There's, there's multiple opportunities to answer that. And the question you have to ask is not only is this the one for me, but is this the moment where I'm going to step into it? Is this the moment where I'm going to step into it? Because for our calling, we need to have that sense of autonomy. We need to have that sense of autonomy in order to step into our calling. The last thing I want to share about this idea of calling is to actually pull from Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. And I'm going to read it as Dave encouraged us to do. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above the Lord. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. With two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of the Lord's glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I, this is Isaiah speaking, said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man, I'm a person of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord, the living presence of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, your sin has been blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. I love I love that eighth verse. Whom shall I send? Here I am. Send me. The thing that we often do is we stop reading at that part because it's so powerful and it's so beautiful. But if we continue reading verses nine and following, what we see is the Lord say, go to the people and say this. And it's basically, it's all going to go really bad. And it's going to actually go really bad, and then it's going to get worse. And then the chapter ends, and in the next chapter, there's no mention of the previous chapter. It's, it's one, of those, those, one of those chapters where it's like, okay, in the middle there, it sounds really awesome. Here I am, send me. Okay, go do the most horrible thing you can possibly imagine. Give people really bad news, and that's it. Just give them the bad news. Now, there's a lot we could probably unpack with that. We could try to make sense of it all. But here's how I'm going to make sense of it. Your calling is not to a party, but to a purpose. Oftentimes, we think that what we're called to is going to be the the greatest thing in the world, that it's going to be up and to the right, that it's going to be all like, it's going to set me up for life, or it's going to be the thing that that just, oh, I'm going to enjoy it so much. And And we should enjoy life. But... True joy and true calling don't come when there's a party. It comes when we live a life of purpose. When we wake up each day and we we know to the core of our being, down in our bones, that what we're up to is making the world a better place. 
that what we get to participate in, whether it's in our work life or whether it's, it's how we serve our community after work, whatever it is, wherever we find ways to answer the call of God, when we have that sense of purpose and meaning and everything we're doing is just flowing in a direction of love or justice or it's bringing about community and connection, it's helping me helping people feel a sense of belonging, when that happens, we might not experience a party but we are going to experience purpose. I think that although Isaiah was told to go share a really hard thing, it was the thing the community needed. There needed to be, as we sang about, there needed to be a time of holy darkness in order for the light to truly shine through. And so although Isaiah probably did not want to answer that call, even though he said, Here I am, send me. Oh, really? With that message? I'm sure Isaiah knew there was purpose there. It wasn't to a party, but it was to a purpose. So when we think about how do we answer the call of God, if God is saying, here's the thing I have for you, number one, you have to have the autonomy to do it. Number two, remember that you're unique. It's not always going to look like everyone else. We don't all have to row in the same direction. We can complement each other. We can encourage one another to do something that's different from one another. You are unique. You are creative. God has wired you different from me. And we all have to use our unique gifts in order to see the flourishing of God's kingdom. And it might not be to a party, but there is going to be a purpose. That's what calling looks like. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for Isaiah's bold response, but we're humbled by what you called him to do. God, may we be people who, whether it's in this season of life or the next one or the next one, that we keep listening for your call and we step boldly into it, trusting that there's not just something good ahead, but there's something meaningful ahead, something purposeful ahead. God, help us to not look around and model our service after the people around us, but to ask the meaningful question of, who am I? Who have you created me to be? How am I wired to bring love and hope into this world? Help us answer that call, Lord. Help us answer. Help us to raise our hand and say, here I am. Send me. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. couple quick announcements before we dive in for today. Uh, Coming up on Tuesday, we have a men's connection time for lunch. So bring your own lunch. Come ready to hang out and share and spend some time together. That's noon on Tuesday. And then that evening at 6 o'clock, we're going to do a dog park day. We're going to meet at the Lexington Avenue um, off-leash dog park there. And I think it's part of the Rice Creek Park. Um, So that should be kind of fun to spend some time. So for those that didn't or couldn't, weren't able to come to the morning one that we had, but would like to to join us. We're going to be doing it at six o'clock on Tuesday evening. I'm going to try to talk some of the neighbors into coming with me and see how many little kids I can get to run around with all the dogs. Should be kind of fun. Um, one other announcement I wanted to make is that, and this has been in the bulletin for a long time now and in Tuesday news, but I just wanted to bring it back to our attention on a Sunday morning is Peace Prayers. Peace Prayers is an opportunity just to submit a prayer request 
through uh, a Google form. Uh, and, and these are prayers that we would uh, send out in the Tuesday news to let everyone know to be praying for. We've had uh, that in use for a while, but uh, we haven't had any prayer requests come in recently, so I just wanted to bring it back to your attention that that's a great opportunity. And it doesn't have to be a big, major, life-altering thing. It can be a small thing. We just want to be able to know how to pray well for each other uh, in, in this community. So please uh, feel free to submit uh, a prayer through Peace Prayers, and the link is always in the Tuesday news that goes out during the week. God of covenant faith, go with you. God who calls us to love and justice and belonging, go with you. May you have the autonomy to answer God's call. May you recognize your uniqueness in answering that call. And may you, to the core of your being, know that you were created with such purpose and to do such meaningful work in this world. Go in grace and go in peace. We'll see you next week. And the handbells will be with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God and may you have peace.